Hey, hey, hey guys, we are back. Thank you for your patience during our little hiatus. Uh, Today we are back with Lexi sharing her awesome story and I am very confident that you are going to both enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Hey guys, long time no talk. Talk. (laughs) Um, Anyway, sorry that we have not posted in a whole week. I know some of you have just been like refreshing your... (laughs) They've been sitting there actually. Spotify, trying to just wait and wait for us to come back. Devastated every hour that we don't post. No, no. But for the few that are following us, uh, I do want to say that the reason we have not been posting is I did come down with a lovely flu uh not to be confused with corona as far as i know uh and i'm still recovering but um we're excited to join you again super glad that ashley is not almost dead anymore not almost dead however we were a little worried yeah corona well yeah we were and kind of still no just kidding i mean Uh, we're gonna be fine you're fine um but we are a little concerned about lexi (laughs) because lexi's recovering from something and i'm gonna invite her to tell her tell y'all of this story yeah it's quite a story so Oh my Lanta. Okay. So last night, well, I got super excited because Ashley was feeling better after being sick. And so I was like, Ashley, we're going to walk to your favorite place, which is this like super hippie place that has acai bowls. And it's like an organic, it's called vibe juice bar. Or So that just goes to show you what it's like. But anyway, she loves it and I like it too. And so I was like, okay, you're feeling better. Like, let's go for a walk and we'll go to this juice bar and get your stuff and then you'll be all, you know, nutrientized and it'll be great. So we went for a walk this morning and we were on this walk and we were walking past this person's yard and they have this like chain link fence, right? And I heard like a growl coming from the other side of the fence. And so I turned around and there's a dog. And I really like dogs because, you know, I'm an animal person. Meanwhile, I'm, like, running away. Because Ashley doesn't like dogs. And so she's like, let's just keep walking. And I'm like, oh, but look, like, the dog is sad because it was tied up, you know? And so I, you know, okay, I, I'm an idiot. I walked up to the <laughs> fence <laughs> towards the growling dog because, you know, that's what I do. I walk up towards the dog and I was like, oh, hey, like, come here. You know, I was trying to make it not mad. And so, and it did kind of, it like walked up to the fence, you know, and Ashley was like, Lexi, let's just go. And I was like, I want to pet the dog. Hear this thing. I, okay. I'm in hindsight, it was a bad idea. But at the time I was like, I'm just going to make the dog feel better. So I'm an idiot. And I reached my hand through this fence, through this chain link fence. And this dog, you guys, I kid you not, actually bites me like, Full on bites my hand. Teeth marks. Teeth marks. And and before I could get my hand out of the fence, it like grabbed me again, grabbed my like wrist, like my hand wrist, and would not let go. I was freaking, I'm like screaming at this point. Freaking out. Okay. I'm like totally traumatized. And then this lady, as I'm trying oh, to owner. like the owner. <laughs> Is I didn't realize, but she had been sitting on a porch the whole time, which also makes Drinking it really coffee. awkward. And so I'm like actually freaking out. I don't want to pull my hand too much because it's like going to rip my arm off. But I start pulling and this lady is like, oh, I don't want to come closer because of the coronavirus and the six feet. 
And so this dog is grabbing onto my arm. I start pulling. This dog is like yanking me through the fence. And Lexi will never, ever, ever forget the day this happened because it's It's April April Fools. (laughs) That didn't happen. I did not get bit. I feel like as we were telling the story, we had kind of planned it. Um, like Lexi was realizing how dumb she sounded. But I would actually <laughs> do something that like, dumb. I'm such an idiot. Oh my gosh. Like we walk up to this angry growling dog. And stick your hand through the fence. nearby. But I would probably do something like that in real life. So it's not that unbelievable. Anyway, it didn't happen. Oh I'm fine. Gosh. Ashley really was sick though. Yeah, that's not a lie. Now you'll never believe us, but that's true. I am still, I was and am continuing to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Happy April Fool's Day. Yeah. If you have a really good joke that you've played on a family member um, or someone that you know today, please text us and let us know what it was because I want ideas. Yeah. Of course, we know that they're all within good boundaries. So that's and then encouraging. I can, and then I can pull them on Ashley later. Ooh. So text me. Oh, wait. No. Your teens are going to text you and my teens are going to text me. Exactly. It's on, girl. It's on. It's on. War. <laughs> War, which would be sad because our friendship has been <laughs> so great from the beginning. It has. It has. Uh, yeah, we thought today we would just tell the quick story of how we became friends. And then because I'm still it recovering, it is a good story. And because I'm still recovering and like my brain is still becoming more functional, um, we're going to let Lexi do most of the talking today. And she's going to tell um, her story, um, lots of stories within her story of how she has come to follow Christ and his church. So it's God's story. So don't worry. It'll be exciting. uh, um, Okay. I actually think though, Lexi, that we have different memories of our first interaction. Well, we do because you always remember the first, the actual first interaction. And I don't. And I'm like, okay. And like, I remember this, like, uh, so my, and I do, I have like vague, vague memories. I know I was one in a million. It's fine. (laughs) Um, but <laughs> I have a terrible memory most of the time when I'm meeting new people. So it's not just you. But so anyways, I remember like we were at some youth ministry orientation event yes. and it was like my first, was it my first? Your first year? I think it was my first I year. I think it was. It was my first year. It was indeed. So it was like two months into the job and I'm going to this cool orientation thing and I meet this really cool girl and we like talk briefly and I remember being like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. Like I want to be her friend. Turns out she didn't want to be mine. That's not true. <laughs> I'm kidding. I did. She just didn't remember. That's okay because truly, truly, and I don't remember most of the people that I meet. So yeah. I'm just giving Lexi a hard time right now. It was like my third time at this event yeah. too. And so I think I was in the like, I'm too cool for this. All these newbies. Of, all these new people. Like you'll be here for six months and then you'll leave. I'm not going to bother with you. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that's true. No, but you lasted. And then we actually became friends. Yeah. You want to tell how? I do. So it was great. Um, we have this every other year, right? It's, what yes. is that? Biannual. Is that the correct I think way that's of saying what you that? Would call it. Yep. Biannual conference gathering, national conference for Catholic youth ministers, which how much fun does that sound like? Every ounce of fun that you think we have, we have that and more. It's all of the Catholic youth ministers getting together um, from all across the country and just like praying together, learning together, and also having a blast together. So it's it's a whole lot of fun. So anyway, there was this conference happening and um, 
my coworker wasn't going to go. And so I wanted to join up with another group that was going. And lo and behold, Ashley and her coworker were going. And so we decided that Ashley and I would room together when we were there. And we had two other roommates too, who were going from the archdiocese. And so we went to this event together and there was one prayer session in particular that mm-hmm. this is going to mm-hmm. sound so bad. So this is like inside scoop that you get from your youth ministers. Yeah. We have been involved in doing this stuff all day long. And there was this one prayer session that Ashley and I were like, do you want to ditch? And like yeah. See, stay in our room. <laughs> and it's not like a mandatory conference. And we, like I said, we prayed. We had been filled up with the Holy Spirit. We went to Mass. We, we, went to mass. we were like all filled up. But we were like, do you want to go late to the thing and like ditch the first half an hour or whatever? So we did. And we stayed up in our room. And in that conversation, you guys, it was so blessed and so anointed. Mm. Because we found out that Ashley and I were both like discerning our vocation. We were both discerning religious life. Um, And this came to be a trend later in our friendship. But we were both in like opposite places with it at that time. Like I was in the mindset at that time of like, no, I'm done. I'm over this. I'm not going to be a sister. And Ashley was in the mindset of like, I think I'm totally going to be a sister, (laughs) but I'm like freaking out about it. And then, and then like a month later, it was inversed. And I was like, I think I have to be a sister. And Ashley was like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. Like I'm at total (laughs) peace. And we went back and forth on that so many times, but we just sat there on our bed in this hotel for like hours we i think we we missed the whole session we we missed the whole session because we were just like oh my gosh you too you're going through the same thing and i know for me i had not experienced anybody else who was even if they were discerning the vocation they were not having the same like inner turmoil and problems that i was at the time and i just felt like you were in the same mindset that i was and so we bonded hardcore it was such a providential moment right like I could talk about that. We should talk about our discernment sometime of religious life because I think that was like uh, just a beautiful time and a horrible time and an amazing time and every emotion, every emotion possible. possible. And like it really, I think is what like was the catalyst for our friendship. Yes. Like hands down, you know, hundred percent agree. So thanks for telling that story. That's how I remember it. So we we remember that one. Glad we're not that much of a hot mess anymore, to be honest with you. (laughs) that's debatable debatable. (laughs) anyways awesome cool well obviously like if a person is going to discern their vocation discern religious life that means that they probably have some kind of relationship with jesus (laughs) i Um, hope so right um and so lexi certainly had a relationship with jesus leading her to that moment and and continues to grow in that today so we thought that what we would do is just kind of let lexi tell parts of her story um, and why we do this. I think that's just like a good thing to start with is like, why do we tell our stories? Like it glorifies God. And it mm-hmm. also like, it makes all of the, the things that we talk about as the teachings of the faith. Like it brings it um, to reality. And it's like where the rubber meets the road. And I think that Lexi is somebody who um, like continues to inspire me in my faith and has a lot that her story can can kind of uh, illuminate like the truth of well who Christ is and who He calls us to be. Aww. yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just start out by asking a very basic question, Alex. Um, what can you just like paint us a picture of like what your life looked like 
in terms of faith growing up. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, I really liked that intro to this whole concept because I have to say, like, I would not bother telling my story if it was just my story. And like I said this earlier, but the whole point is that it really is God's story. And he has fought and worked so hard for my sorry soul. And it's a good story. Like the things that he has done for me and my soul is a good story. So it's not even so much my story as much as it is like the story of how God found me and pursued me. And that makes it a good story. So um, first of all, God gave me an amazing family growing up. Um, I have two of the most loving parents that I have ever experienced anybody having. Like I'm to this day, I'm convinced I have some of the best parents that have ever existed. Uh, so that was great. And my parents are definitely faithful. Um, so that helped me so much. They're both Christian. Um, my mom is Catholic. My dad is Lutheran. That never was really like a huge cause of tension in our family. Honestly, my dad was really determined that we were going to worship together as a family. And they, my parents had decided um, when they got married that they were going to raise me Catholic. So there was never like tension um, denominationally in our household. But uh, my my parents prayed with me when I was little, like when I was a child, and that helped me a lot. And I remember there would be some times where like after the point where they had kind of stopped praying with me every night before I went to bed, because we, we didn't do that. We prayed before meals, but we stopped praying together, you know, like seriously every night before bed as a family when I got to a certain age. But my mom would say on her way out the door, and it wasn't all the time. It was just like every once in a while, she'd sneak it in there and she'd be like, have you said your prayers? Or like, are you saying your prayers before you go to bed? So there was just kind of this understanding that you're supposed to be praying before you go to bed. And we're, we're placing that responsibility on you, right? Like that's, so, um, and there were times when I would say my prayers before bed and times when I wouldn't, but I definitely, um, I knew that God was real and I knew that he cared for me. And so I really appreciated that all growing up. Um, we went to mass most Sundays. There were a few exceptions. Like if we'd be away on vacation, we wouldn't make it a priority to go. Or, um, if we were like, I remember one Sunday I came in and I was like, I'm really tired today. And I went to mass on Wednesday with school and that's good enough. Right. And it was like, we were all really tired that day. And so we just didn't go. But for the most part, we went to mass on Sunday. Um, and we had like a spot that was our spot. We were that family classic. So, um, there was definitely faith in my family growing up, but I think when I was in high school, I was still not at the point where I would say that I had like fallen in love with Jesus. You know, he wasn't my world. He wasn't my life yet. Um, But that did definitely happen for me in high school. But so I would say growing up, I was in a place of like, I know God is real. I know he's out there. I know he cares for me. And that's about it. Yeah. That makes so, that's so relatable. I love that. I think that's where a lot of people in like suburban America are when they grew up in their childhood, you know? Absolutely. And I know Lexi that like there, it wasn't just this magical moment for you where Jesus stopped being kind of like this compartment that you would tap into to all of a sudden being your whole world, right? That was like a process. And I know that like you were sharing with me earlier um, that that Twilight kind of had, of all things, Twilight. You guys remember the Twilight series? It was the dumbest series, in my opinion. Bella and Heartily, heartily, heartily beg to differ, but yes. But I will give Lexi credit that, um, and Jesus most of all, because he uses all things, my friends. And, um, and so that played a role in kind of Jesus becoming her world. Can you tell us kind of that? It's so true. Yeah. So it's like, my story is such a both and story because in so many ways I did have a moment that was like a lightning bolt moment, but looking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there was so much prep work 
that God put in to making that, that lightning bolt moment possible. Mm -hmm. Like he had to set the stage and, um, I didn't even realize that he was setting the stage in my life for this huge moment where he was going to like overwhelm me with his love and presence to the point where I could never be the same. Um, and that did happen for me actually, which is an amazing thing, but I didn't realize at the time, but he was totally like tilling the soil. He was prepping me mm -hmm. for that moment. And he used of all things, I swear he used Twilight, you guys. So, so the Twilight series, if you haven't read it, which if you haven't, I don't blame you, but also it might be fun for you. Um, I loved the Twilight series when I was in high school. It was kind of my everything. Um, and when I say kind of my everything, I mean, I was full blown obsessed. Like on an unhealthy level, I was obsessed. My notebooks were all covered and I mean covered with quotes and drawings from Twilight. Um, it was like, why? It, the reason that I chose the music that I was listening to at that time was because of Twilight. Like I got super into the emo world of music for a while and I was just like starting to get into uh, like rock and screamo. And like, I was just going full on into this like emo Twilight world. Um, but of course the reason that I loved Twilight so much was because of the... Edward, Edward Cullen. Cullen Vampire. I don't even know his name, even though I never watched it. Super proud. Well, don't watch it. Okay, well, the side movies note. movies are horrible. Can, can don't I even say, talk to me about it. So Lexi recently met my friend Becca. Shout out, Becca, if you're still listening to us. And I immediately, when they were hanging out, I was like, they're so the same person. Becca had a huge Twilight phase. And yes. everything that I know about Twilight is because of Becca. And everything you just said there, I was like, oh, yeah, she kind of did that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's why these two should be friends. Okay. Oh, my anyways, gosh. I, it's, like, still really <laughs> nostalgic for me. I have a, I still, <clears throat> I still have a Twilight playlist that I sometimes go back and listen to just for nostalgia. And it still hits me. It hits me in a spot that I don't think anything else does. So, anyway, but I... The, the reason that the, that this series, in, in all seriousness, like this series is perfect for the heart of a 14-year-old girl. So if that's where you're at right now, like I say go for it. At least it was perfect for me at the time because um, it's like a really fantastical story. You know, it's, it's supernatural. And I was so sucked into this story, um, mostly because of Edward Cullen, who... Looking back on it again, I, I'm starting to see these pieces, right? Like Edward Cullen. Okay, roll with me. He is a supernatural being. Um, he's He's got powers that are like beyond the normal human capabilities and strengths that are beyond the normal, normal human capabilities. Um, and he picks this girl who's like a totally normal girl, right? And he falls in love with her. And then he actually uh, saves her life using his supernatural strength. And that's what makes her kind of start to fall for him. And then he, long story short, takes her into his supernatural world to be with him and live with him forever because they're going to live forever. Does that sound like any other story? Like, no, <laughs> boyfriend, man, bring it. But that's totally like, in a really skeletal way, it's the story of Jesus for us, right? And so all of these like concepts were appealing to my heart. And I can look back on it now and say, oh my gosh, Jesus was prepping me for the story, like the ultimate story, which is the story of Christ and the story of his love for us, right? Like that is the story 
that all of their stories are ultimately trying to tell, right, is the story that Jesus wrote. And so this Twilight series, like you can, you can give me crap all you want, but it was appealing to something eternal in my heart. And I think that that was at the root of my obsession over the story was that it was tapping into these deep, deep desires that I had for this like rags to riches story where I would be taken in by some amazing, supernatural, beautiful, wonderful man. And he would like, like kind of like our Memento Mori episode, right? Where Mm. he would take me into his world, right? And that was so captivating to me. Okay. So, so I was choosing all my music based on the story, right? And what I find super interesting now the music that I was listening to, I look back on it. You guys, it was Christian music. And I literally didn't know that it was Christian music. But because it was tapping into those same themes, right? Of like this deep, eternal, and infinite love. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember in particular, it was a lot of Flyleaf music. I was going to guess that. Flyleaf and red? Skillet. Oh. Yes, Red. Yep. Flyleaf, Skillet, Red. All like this, just, oh, it was great stuff. Great stuff. Still love that music. But... Whispers in the Dark by Skillet will always hit a spot in my heart because I, in my brain, like that song was about Edward Cullen. But now I know that that song is about Jesus, right? So it's just, just, it's like really interesting. Anyway, so I went on a mission trip my, uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, and we were in the primacy of the Twilight Obsession at that phase. So what, what would that make me? 16? And I was like eagerly anticipating when Breaking Dawn would come out. I don't think it had come out yet, which was a disappointment to me, by the way. We could talk about that well, later the second if you one want to. No, that's the fourth one. That's okay. the last one. Well, clearly I am aware. <laughs> I was waiting for the last one to come out. Right? Okay. So it was like the conclusion of the I'm story. Sorry. No, I just said okay. I was waiting for Breaking Dawn. Okay, good. Um, okay, so I went on this mission trip. And long story short, I sat down with my youth minister after having some serious prayer. Um, and And tapping into that part of my heart that knew that God was real and knew that he loved me. And I sat down with my youth minister who was an exceptionally holy and spiritually perceptive woman. Like this woman has spiritual gifts. Um, and she was praying with me. And at one point she just stopped. She stopped talking and she was like, I I was crying. I had no idea why I was crying. It was one of those kind of things. She looked at me and she was like, Lexi, why are you crying? And I was, I, I, I word vomited from somewhere in the depths of my soul without even knowing what I was saying. I word vomited. I don't want my life to be the same when I go home. Mm-hmm. Those were the words that I used. And, and as soon as I said them, I knew that they were true, but like, that's not what I had been thinking about. But as soon as I said it, I was like, that's the truth. And so this amazing youth minister of mine, she just sat and she sat there for like a minute of quiet time, which, you know, when you're in prayer and you're just like being quiet and praying with someone is like a really long time. Oh yeah. So it was super awkward, but she was gazing up at the crucifix Mm. as she was sitting there for this like minute of quiet time. And after she had just been gazing at this crucifix, she turned to me and she said, Lexi, do you know that Jesus loves you like a bridegroom loves his bride? Mm. And when he looks at you, you bring a smile to his face and the love that he has for you is like he sees you as a precious flower at his feet like growing at his feet and no one can ever replace the the spot that you have in his heart like you have something special to offer the heart of Jesus that no one else can replace wow and 
something about that moment, there was so much grace in that moment and it just became real to me. And I, I realized that, so in the Twilight series at that time, we were right, it was right before their wedding. Like the first thing that happens in Breaking Dawn is their wedding. So you know that they're about to get married. So when Rachel, sorry, when my youth minister told me, like, Jesus loves you like a husband loves his bride, like a bridegroom loves his bride. I just, it just clicked Mm. that everything that I loved about the Twilight series was not just a fantasy. It was real. And not only was it real, it was my life. Like I actually had the fantasy that I had been dreaming of for a year. Like it became real. And I realized in that moment that all of the love that I had ever been dreaming about in these stories was real and then some, and it was mine. Wow. And, um, it was like a whole body experience. Like I was completely overwhelmed in that moment by this, by this, like, I felt like warm butter had just been poured like all through my soul and was just Mm. seeping into my whole body. Like I was, I was completely warmed from the inside out. And, um, it was a deep realization unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And I knew, I knew that I was never going to be the same and that God had answered my prayer of, I don't want my life to be the same when I go home. Yeah. So, wow. That is like so phenomenal. And that's something I think worth all of us meditating on side note, because Jesus is saying that to each of us, Mm -hmm. right? Like you've taught me that a lot about like, whoa, he sees me as an irreplaceable part of his garden. Yes. So, so you prayed the prayer, like, or essentially like you spoke out loud, like, I don't want to be the same when I go home. Right. Mm -hmm. And you had this profound experience. Like what was life like when you went home? It's an excellent question. Um, and sometimes it's easy for me to think now, 10 years later that everything changed when I went home. And there's a sense that that's true. But when I really think back on it, it was a gradual process of change. So something was different in my heart. I couldn't deny that. There really was something different in my heart from that day forward. Um, Because there was something unforgettable about that experience that I couldn't just move on from. It was something had altered. And at the same time, I found myself going home and living in the same world that I had been living in before, right? I will say what was amazing about that particular mission trip is that I was with a group of people who all experienced Christ in at least some way on that mission. And so when we went home, it was really helpful to have a group of people who all said in some capacity, I want to make a change. Mm. And so I really bonded with this group of church people after that trip, I started going into um, our youth lounge, the coffee house. I started going there like almost every day after school. And a group of us would go in almost every day after school. But sometimes it was just me, but a lot of times it was like one or two other people or a handful of us who would just go in after school. And I would like sit, very literally sit at the feet of my youth minister and ask her questions. So I think that was the biggest change that I made was who I spent my time with and what I spent my time doing, right? So like school was pretty much the same. My family life was pretty much the same. Um, But what I did after school changed and I felt this like compulsion 
to go learn more and experience more of this Jesus who I was falling madly in love with. And so um, my, and I look back now, God bless my youth minister because I would just go in and I don't even think I had any specific questions. Like I would just go in and sit in her office and, and just kind of expect her to like lavish me with truths and love and, <laughs> and like the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And I look back on that now and I'm like, that must've been so weird and uncomfortable for her. Like, why are you here? Like, oh, no reason. <laughs> just tell me more about Jesus, I guess. Like we would just talk and she was so good to me. Um, and so she, she helped me a lot. She gave me a lot of books to read. Um, she talked to me so much about truths about Jesus and myself that I had never known before. So I think, like I said, that was the biggest difference was just going in to spend that time with my youth minister and then making new friends, like investing in those friendships that I had made on that mission trip was huge because it gave me a group of people who had a similar mindset to me. And um, the friends that I'd had before were great people, but like we would not pray together and we would not, um, we weren't pushing each other to grow closer into the heart of Jesus. Whereas this new group of friends and I, we kind of made that our goal. We made it our mission and it was a really anointed group of people. So I know not everybody has that, but that was what happened for me. Hmm. I love that. I also, I really appreciate um, how you explained that it was a gradual change and you gave some concrete things that like you did differently, like the way you were spending your time, mm -hmm. the friends that you had. Cause I think you and I would agree as youth ministers that like we often see people have these like mountaintop experiences and yes. then they're kind of like, okay, what do I do? Because the emotion of that moment mm -hmm. does not last forever. It's an yep. emotion. It's fleeting. Right. Yep. But the grace of that moment is meant to be unpacked. Exactly. And it just sounds like just those simple moments of you opening your heart, like, okay, like, Lord, I know I'm in a place that where truth is going to come with my youth minister. And these people are going to speak to that as well. These friends that I'm choosing. Um, and that was just like your way of opening your heart to the graces. And like, clearly that has borne fruit. Um, mm -hmm. you're a youth minister now. And mm -hmm. I know there's like a gazillion other chapters in yes. between uh, that moment or the, that time frame and becoming a youth minister. But yes. I also know that that was a time that kind of started to, to, um, to stimulate that desire to be a youth minister. Can For you talk sure. a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, as I was spending my time in our, you know, youth ministry world in high school, I started to, it was, you know, like I said, it was the beginning of junior year at that point. So it was right when you're starting to seriously consider like, what do I want to do with my life? And, um, I just found that any other desires that I'd had for what I wanted to do with my life, I had thought about marine biology. I had thought about, um, going into counseling. Like I, I had had kind of some other mindsets throughout my days of what I might want to do with my future. Um, I was initially looking into psychology, um, which isn't terribly different from youth ministry sometimes, but, <laughs> but I realized that the place that I was the most fulfilled and the thing that set me the most on fire was when I was, uh, evangelizing. Mm -hmm. It was when I was spreading what I had received. And I think that there was a little bit of a false understanding there of like, <laughs> I'm just going to be a youth group kid forever. And like, <laughs> this can be my job. Being a youth group kid can be my job. What? And so there was some maturing that had to happen because, you know, it, 
it's different when it's your job. Right. It's different when you're running the program. Um, there's a lot more administration that goes into it than I think I understood at the time. But it was it was so clear to me that like this was what set my heart on fire. And I felt that my life would feel anticlimactic if I didn't use the majority of my time to spread the gospel. Like I really felt that I needed to make this my life, you know, like my life's work needed to be evangelization, which is not the case for everybody who's faithful. Like just because you love Jesus with your whole heart does not mean that you have to work for the church. But there was something growing in my heart that was like, wow, I think I could be good at this. I think this could be a calling for me. And as I started to look into colleges and look into majors, that kept being affirmed in multiple ways, like through my prayer, through doors that were opening up, conversations that I would have, um, things were just falling into place. And it really seemed like youth ministry was was a good calling for me, especially because my youth minister had been such a huge you know, influence in my life. I felt almost like a debt that I needed to pay back to the world and to the church. Um, and that if I could go and actually serve the way that my youth minister had served me, like I could pay back the debt that I owe to the church and the world. And maybe there's a little bit of, you know, I don't know how true that is. Like, of course, God's gift is free and we can never pay back the gift that he's given to us of new life and of the love that he's given to us. Right. But um, there is a sense of duty that I think I feel still to this day that I've been given so much and like, I, I can't keep it to myself. Like I have to repay what I've been given. Well, that's love, right? Because when you receive love, it's a person that receives love, whether that's from God or a human, like you don't, you don't keep it. Like you Mm -hmm. you have to, you're compelled to pour it forth. So that that makes so much sense. Very true. Yeah. So I actually ended up going to the exact same university that my youth minister had gone to. Um, followed a very similar spirituality to the one that she had followed and went back to work at my parish, at my home parish of St. Michael. So you are a youth group kid. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it was so anointed. Like it was so anointed. Even just the fact that I got this job back at the same parish that meant so much to me in the program that did so much for me, like should not have happened the way that it did. And And it did. And I won't go into that whole story, but God worked, um, to make, to make this happen the way that it did. So, uh, it all feels very anointed to me. I'm very grateful to be working where I work. And I, I'm, I still feel like in, in a sense that I'm, that I am paying back, you know, and, or passing it on, maybe we'll say like paying it forward, the gift that I received in high school. And I still think about that often. Like I'm almost 28 years old and I still often reflect back on, my high school experience of youth group and how much it changed my life. So it's really an honor to be able to um, continue living in that love and living out of that love that I experienced in high school. And I'm still trying to do that today in my spiritual life. Um, I'm still unpacking the mysteries that I received in that really anointed moment of prayer. Um, it's, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my eternity unpacking the mystery of that moment, really. So it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to feel like you're paying forward that gift that you've received um, that changed your life so much and uh, have it be your job. So mm. I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm still trying to continue that in my own personal life as well as my job. You know, I'm trying to continue in a prayer life that reflects the beauty of that moment as well. And I know bringing it full circle, 
like when Ashley and I met each other, um, I was really heavily discerning my vocation, especially because so much of that moment for me where I felt Jesus' presence so tangibly came out of this image of like Jesus loving me like a bridegroom loves his bride. Mm. And so I think as I matured spiritually, I realized that I needed to take the idea of religious life very seriously because that's what religious life is, right? Like you're becoming the bride of Jesus on this side of heaven. Right. Um, and, and a part of that led to actually like a lot of pressure in my discernment of spiritual or of religious life, because I was like, well, I'm for sure called to be a nun. Right. <laughs> and, um, which so far and, and after a lot of discernment, I've really come to a lot of peace that I don't think that that's what Jesus is calling me to. Of course, he can always work a new thing and do a new thing. But um, right now I have a lot of peace that that's not where I'm called. Uh, he just never actually really made that invitation to me practically, which is necessary. You can't just force <laughs> yourself to marry Jesus. Uh, he has to propose, right? And like that just wasn't happening. Uh, so uh, I, I do feel like a lot of peace about that. But anyway, it was really great to meet Ashley in that moment because um, that was deep, you know, like that was running really deep, but I know it ran deep for Ashley too, but I'm still very convinced and very convicted that like we are all the bride of Christ. Like the church is the bride of Christ. And it's so interesting because when we get married, we actually even say until death do us part. Mm. And marriage does not transfer into eternity because we are ultimately the bride of Christ. And so that was a huge realization that I had is like, my being a bride of Christ does not depend solely on my not being married in this life. Like that can actually be a reflection of my being a bride to Christ is my being married in this life as well. So it's, it's this whole, you know, deep theology that I know Ashley and I love talking about. I was like, we should tap into this sometime. Male, female complementarity mm. and like what it, what marriage is. And anyway, it's beautiful. I, I love marriage so much. And it's, <laughs> I love it. We I say that. Love we love marriage. marriage. We're not married, but we love it. Love marriage. <laughs> John Paul II talked so much about oh. how much he loved marriage and he was not GP2. called to be married. So it's, um, <clears throat> like it's, it's, Marriage is beautiful. It's a sign. It's like the sign 100%. of God's love. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. We can love that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. No problem. So yeah, still like living into that, trying to live into that identity as myself being like the beloved one of Jesus. Um, yeah. The song of songs is my jam. If you want to pray with something this week, mm. recommend just opening up to the dead center of the Bible. It's in the very, very middle of the Bible. And the heart of the Bible is a love poem. You should probably preface that a little bit, though, because I, if I were a high schooler and I opened up Song of Songs, I'd be weird. like, why did Lexi recommend this? Super weird. whack a deck. He talks so, about her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's in the Bible, so we can say it here. Um, yeah, so so it's it's a very actual love story between a man and a woman, and they like write poetry to each other, and it's this really intense love poem. Like a flock of goats. Is her hair. Yeah, her hair is a block of goats. Her cheeks are like pomegranates. There's honey dripping from her lips. Oh my gosh, funniest thing ever. When I was um, in one of my Bible study classes in uh, at school. So I was in one of my theology classes. We were studying the Old Testament. And when we got to Song of Songs, my professor gave us this drawing that someone did of the woman from Song of Songs 
but all of her body parts were the parts that he like things that he had used to describe her so like her hair actually was a flock of goats and like her cheeks actually were pomegranates like her neck actually was a tower it was the funniest thing ever beauty itself it was so great but anyway um i i really recommend praying with it still even though it can get kind of weird sometimes because jesus does love us in a radical and um like maybe not emotional isn't the right way to say, but a deep heartfelt way. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we can and should like feel strongly towards him. And that's not always a gift that we receive. We can still love Jesus without feeling, but the ultimate end goal is to have our hearts be stirred up with love for him and his heart is stirred up with love for us. And so song of songs is, is a kind of like reflection of that, that I like to dive into one verse in particular, um, that stands out to me that was always my favorite and kind of still is my favorite is Song of Songs 4-9. And it's, uh, you have ravished my heart, mm-hmm. my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with one glance of your eye. And like that is the verse mm-hmm. that Jesus spoke to me in that moment. Yeah. You know, like that was it. I realized that I ravished his heart. This big, powerful, almighty all good, all powerful being, like I ravished his heart and with one glance of my eye, you know, and that was like a really powerful realization for me. Mm. So I love reflecting on the song of songs. Love it. Yeah. And it's also like, just to make it abundantly clear, God's love for us is not sexual, but the sexual relationship of a married couple is a sign of that full gift and that full outpouring of love that that God invites us into. Precisely. That is I just think that's always really, really great clarification to make. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right, Lexi. We're probably winding down on yeah. our time here. Um, but are there any like I'm put you on the spot, like are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Maybe for somebody that's still trying to figure out like what is my story? Or like, where has God shown up? I haven't had that lightning bolt moment. Cause I get that a lot from my teens. And, um, I think sometimes it's helpful to hear it from somebody else. Like, what would you say to that teen? Honestly, what what I often say is like, sit back and trust Mm. because God is writing the story, not you. And he has a story for you. He has a plan for you. And it is a radical, beautiful, wonderful story. And you will love telling the story someday. And if right now you're kind of like, I'm not there yet. Like I don't have this radical. First of all, really do ponder and think back about the good things that God has done in your life. Because sometimes I worry that God has written this amazing story in our lives and we just don't, we haven't taken the time to actually process it. So maybe a, a recommendation for something to do this week while you're on quarantine is like sit down and write about the good things that God has done for you. I was so grateful that my youth minister forced me to do that when I was in high school because I don't know if I would be able to tell the story in a comprehensive way now if I hadn't written it down at the time. So so write about what God is doing in your life. Our lives are poetic. We often just don't see it and we don't take the time to think of them and, and to pick up on the poetic nature of our lives. So um, I didn't come to a lot of these realizations about the connections that that fell between twilight and Jesus and my heart. And like, I didn't realize what all God was doing in my heart until I stopped and really thought about it and took the time to recognize it. So maybe take some time to sit down and recognize what God already has done in your life. But even if you do that and you kind of still think like, 
oh, this is kind of blah. Like, it doesn't seem like he's doing a lot. Really sit back and ride the ride because every story is going to be different and God is writing a story in your life. So I would say um, trust that. I love that. It makes me think of the puzzle. We've talked about this too. Like, yes. Right? Like, my oftentimes, yeah, Alexi's doing a 1,000 piece puzzle. Very impressed. I would have given up at 200 pieces. It's so much fun. Uh, but anyways, like, I think about this a lot now, and I think it's applicable for us in every stage um, and goes along with what you were saying, Lexi. Like, oftentimes, the puzzle piece that we're on, we have no idea how it's going to fit with all the other pieces around mm-hmm. us, right? And so maybe you find yourself in that piece where you're like, I don't know. I'm, like, trying to figure out what Jesus is doing. I have no idea how this is going to play out. That's okay because he is the puzzle maker, right? Like, so to speak, right? Like, yes. he is the story writer. He sees the full picture. He sees it. And, like... We can tell you that like, oh my gosh, as a teen, if I would have known like the things that Jesus was writing in my story, then I would have been like, wow, I wouldn't have doubted. And, um, and now like, you know, the perspective and like continuing to open my heart, he he continues to unveil all those pieces slowly. And there's still mystery. Of course there is. Of course. That's half the fun though. It is half the fun. So yay okay well guys thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed lexi's story thanks for listening to my story as much as i did there's so many more things that i think lexi could share with us that we'll save for another podcast because there's a lot of things about her faith that inspires me that i would love to bring up so teaser and stay (laughs) tuned for ashley's story because that's going to be coming soon as well once she's back to her full healthy self Sounds great. All right, guys. Love ya. And we plan at this point to have another one on Friday. So hopefully we'll talk to you then. Talk to you Friday. Bye.